Hello, and welcome back to the Two Button Crew podcast. And today I'm joined by our uh, honorary crew member, Nathan Blake of Nathan Blake Games. Hello, everyone. And uh, we're here to talk about Pokemon Legends Arceus. It's Arceus, right? How do you pronounce it? I've usually been saying Arceus, but I have no idea. (laughs) Okay. But I bet Arceus is probably better and probably more accurate. Additionally, like in the game, you get the Arc phone, and I don't think it's the Ars phone, so... Yeah, and also that word has a, you know, it's it's not exactly polite in certain parts of the English-speaking world. So I know in the anime they say Arceus. <laughs> yes, the most recent mainline Pokemon game, question mark, and kind of, a, kind of an overhaul of the Pokemon um, gameplay style. So uh, we're here to uh, discuss what uh, we thought of it and whether or not we think that this uh, new direction... Uh, works or uh, you know if it if it falls flat and we prefer the uh, the more classic uh, version speaking of which uh, I think this is the first time on the podcast that we've uh, talked about a Pokemon game and typically when uh, we talk about a game series for the first time we go over our history with the uh, the series so uh, Nathaniel what is your history with uh, the Pokemon series well uh at first, it was difficult for me to get into Pokemon because, for whatever reason, my parents were okay with Pokemon and they were okay with me playing video games, but they were not okay with me having a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And so getting getting to that point where I could actually play them was difficult. Uh, I eventually got to play Pokemon Yellow by using that whole uh, like game pack in the N64 controller while playing Pokemon Stadium Workaround, which was pretty cool. Wait, uh, so I, I never had the, the game pack thing. So could you actually play pokemon on your n64 with that yes you could play pokemon uh, yellow and red and blue and then when the second one second pokemon stadium came out i think you could do gold and silver but i didn't never owned that one so i wasn't sure but yeah so that was that was my first experience with it and i was probably seven or eight and it was really really fun and then i eventually convinced my mom to play pokemon which was my in line to be like, okay, so now that you play Pokemon, let's get a Game Boy so that we can all play all the Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I got a Game Boy Color, uh, got it over eBay, and then I played uh, Pokemon Silver, borrowed it from my neighbor, who's one of my one of my best friends, and uh, that's that'll always be probably my favorite Pokemon game is Pokemon Silver. Uh, really, really good game. Then I played uh, Sapphire when it came out, also borrowed it from the same friend because he just always had all the Pokemon games. <laughs> And so, uh, and all the different versions too. So he would get both of them, and then he'd lend one to me, and then play the other one, and then we'd trade some of the Pokemon and stuff, you know. Oh, that's cool. Um, then Pearl, Diamond and Pearl came out, and I got it for my DS, and that is unfortunately where I started to fall off of Pokemon games just from sheer lack of time. Uh, really, really liked Pearl quite a bit. Only got about halfway through it, and then I came back and played uh, Heart Gold because. Again, the gold and silver were my favorite ones whenever they did that. And then after that, I unfortunately did not hit very many Pokemon games. So just little bits here or there and stuff. Pokemon Go came out. That was really cool. Played that for a long time. Did pretty decent on that. But uh, the more recent stuff I had not gotten to do. I didn't have a 3DS for a long time, so I didn't get to play a lot of those when they came out and stuff. Uh, And then obviously on the Switch... They mostly had the 
to Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. Mm-hmm. And then I played Shield, and Shield was really good. And so that was kind of whenever I got back into more modern Pokemon was like, okay, here we go. I, I can play this one. I have the console for it. It just came out. I have the time. I have a YouTube channel that's about video games now, so I have a good excuse to be like, I'm going to box out some time for this. And I played Shield, and I really, really enjoyed it. So then Arceus, Ar- Arceus came out, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally down to get that play through it. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. There's some of the X and Y and Sun and Moon stuff that I'm less sure about what all the Pokemon are and stuff. But other than that, I'm a pretty reasonable, especially classic Pokemon fan. Yeah, so, you know, I was, I'm, I'm a 90s kid, and... Um... So I, I definitely was part of the Pokemania when it first came out, but I never owned a Game Boy, you know, sort of similar to you. Um, and so I did not play any mainline Pokemon games. I played some of the, the uh, spinoffs, but I didn't play any mainline Poke game, uh, Poke, Pokemon games excuse me, uh, until, um, until Fire Red. And that was because my brother, my younger brother actually... I, I may have actually bought it as a gift for my younger brother, but he he played through that game and then he moved on to uh, Pokemon Pearl, I think. And I, um, after he transferred all the Pokemon he wanted off of Fire Red, uh, he said, "Hey, you know, if you want, you can you can overwrite the save file because those cartridges only have one save file." Uh, I wonder if that decision, I mean, I'm sure there's a technical reason for that, but I have to wonder if that decision also helps drive game sales. <laughs> I, I basically got it as a hand-me-down or a hand-me-up in my younger brother. I don't know how, how that works linguistically. But yeah, I got that and I played it. And I really enjoyed it. Like I, I put a ton of time into it in a very short uh, period, a ton of hours in like a two or three week period. And uh I haven't played mainline Pokemon games since, so, <laughs> and that was probably like ten years ago. So this was this was quite the experience for you, huh? Yeah. So I played one. Prior, my experience is one mainline Pokemon game prior to this. Okay. Cool. So I'm the I'm the resident Pokemon expert here, having only played a handful of Pokemon games instead of like. <laughs> yep alright as we mentioned uh, this game really uh, shook things up so let's let's hop into the gameplay right away and talk about um, just it, it's, it's very different than classic Pokemon because you know it's kind of got this open world Breath of the Wild thing going on and also it feels sort of like Pokemon Go I presume I never played Pokemon Go because I don't have a smartphone um but like catching Pokemon, you just you sneak up on them and you throw the Pokeball. And I have to admit, it actually really works. Though it does sort of change my relationship with the Pokemon because before, when I was playing Pokemon, I would always just like catch one of each type. It's like why would I need more than one? You know, I'm I'm not doing like trying to breed them or anything. But here, it's they really reward you for catching as many as possible. So you're you're kind of going for volume, and it's a lot. You know, you don't have to wear them in down or anything, so it's a lot faster. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's certainly some of the DNA of Pokemon Go that has made its way into the mainline Pokemon games. So Let's Go uh, Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee also, apparently, even though I didn't get to play those ones, had a lot of that as well, where 
it was less about battling the Pokemon and more about catching them. Which, uh, if your game is devoid of battling Pokemon, I think that's a problem, which mm -hmm. Pokemon Go nearly is. Uh, but in one of the main line games, having it be where you can catch Pokemon pretty easily without having to uh, fight them is, I think, a really good idea. Because, yeah, as you say, they kind of encourage you to catch tons of every Pokemon. And then you... you have a lot more of an interesting relationship with each different species of Pokemon. You you personally learn more about them, the way they act and stuff like that. Even though they're obviously they're not super advanced AI or anything, you can see a world in the future, in future Pokemon games where maybe each Pokemon is more unique in the way that it behaves, and that makes it where you have to catch them in different ways. And there's a little bit of that in this, you know, like yeah. certain bird Pokemon and stuff. You have to really sneak up on them to catch them and stuff. And other ones you can just sprint through and just throw your pokeball and i really did right when you first start playing uh, arceus you feel like oh man they want me to catch like 30 of these and that's going to be like a lot of work but once you get the hang of like just running through areas and just throwing pokeballs over your shoulder as you mm -hmm. run through it feels good it feels real good it's a it's a lot a lot more fun uh, actually than catching pokemon in previous iterations actually has been because like you say, you don't really have to wear most of them down to catch yeah, them. Yeah, and you're not you're not kind of playing that weird like when you get into higher levels, that weird game of sort of like just trying to trying to just gingerly slap them. Yeah, exactly. It's it, there were very very few cases where I was like, "Oh, I can't catch this Pokémon by sneaking up and getting him in a ball." But also anytime I fight him, I accidentally just like curb stomp him immediately and he's dead and i don't know what to do like i had i've had a few instances where i uh where i curb stomped some pokemon by accident <laughs> yes absolutely and and that's that's a problem that like entire builds of pokemon if you're like real deep into the pokemon like uh fandom and and how they do things like they'll build an entire pokemon in their team around catching pokemon so they'll level up real high and give it moves that are specific about like uh, this attack will always ensure that they have at least one HP, no matter how much more powerful the Pokemon is. And then they also have like abilities to put them to sleep and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, now, I've never I, done I those still things, did but... did fight some Pokemon that I had trouble catching because mm -hmm. there there are some Pokemon where it's like, okay, this is a little bit higher than what my Pokeball can do. You know, the Pokeballs I'm equipped with at the moment. So that was nice where it's like, okay, you know, you go in and you, like, stun them or you put them to sleep. Or you don't actually put them to sleep in this game. It's drowsy or something. Right? Yeah, that was a weird change to me. I, I appreciated being able to put things completely to sleep. So the drowsy status effect was not as as cool. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that but uh, when we get to battling. But I also appreciated the fact that, um, well, you know, one, they got rid of random battles. And I'm... Mm -hmm all for that like i i don't really care much for random battles mm -hmm. um but also um you you also have to now be kind of wary of pokemon as you explore because some pokemon will just outright attack you they're very territorial and some pokemon won't mess with you unless you mess with them which is which is nice yeah it, it certainly does make more sense for the world uh for you know the the little skittery Pokemon to want to leave you alone. And, you know, if you've watched the anime and if you've had a little experience with the Pokemon series, you know that, like, some Pokemon are really friendly, even if they're wild and like people and stuff. So getting those sorts of things were like, oh, the Beedoofs, they don't care. You can hang out with them all day. 
And then mm-hmm. the bird ones, they like fly away as soon as you get close to them. And then there's also the ones that are like very antagonistic and they're going to attack yeah. you immediately. And so you get a good feel uh, for for the different Pokemon like 7-4, but also like, yeah, actually feeling like as you go around, oh, okay, I need to try to avoid these ones because they're kind of dangerous. And I, if I'm going to catch them, I'm going to either have to fight them or I'm going to have to really, really sneak up on them and stuff. And it just, it really did feel good uh, having a more interesting interaction with individual Pokemon than that. And then the other thing that is important to the catching aspect before we move on, because I assume we will Mm -hmm. pretty soon, is that Pokeballs themselves are a fairly finite resource in other Pokemon games. In fact, I'm pretty sure that if you really did all the math, you could run out of money and eventually run out of Pokeballs because there's only certain ways of getting money in Pokemon games, and mm-hmm. there might be a finite cap on how much money there is in the game. Like, yeah, I think some in like the rounds, in like the original ones, I think that actually was a possibility. Um, in later ones, I think that there are some really tedious ways to get money, but... Right. I think there's, like, some, like, gambling sort of things that you could do or some weird things where you collect certain things and resell them and stuff that you could do in future Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. But in the first couple, it's, like, you only get money from fighting trainers, and there's only so many trainers. And mm-hmm. so every dollar really counts. And so you don't want to waste Pokeballs ever, and so you never throw a Pokeball unless you're sure it's going to catch that Pokemon. So you've put that Pokemon to sleep or, you know, stun them in some way, and they're at, like, 1 HP, and you've got your strongest Pokemon out because I have no idea if that actually affects it, but I felt like it did when I was a kid, that if I had a bigger, scarier Pokemon out there, that they felt less like coming out of their Pokeball. Uh, (laughs) And so for this one to add the crafting element and have it be where it's like, okay, you have as many Pokeballs as you want, essentially, was a good feeling because you could catch as many Pokemon as you wanted. And and that's obviously what they wanted you to do because they they wanted you to fill out that Pokedex and so sprinting around just going just chucking your balls as fast as you could catching all of them one of them pops out and runs away and you're like eh who cares is you know a good feeling for a game that's about catching Pokemon <laughs> I actually did have some trouble uh, keeping as many Pokeballs as I would have liked in stock because I like using the the nicer quality ones I'm I'm kind of that's kind of my gameplay style is like whatever the best I can use that's typically why I make my standard unless it's just prohibitively expensive you know in strategy games it's like well why would I want you know the trash unit when I could have the the big guy in full plate mail with the two-handed sword right <laughs> you know I that's that's a much more intimidating to the enemy seeing those guys march down the the field uh, whatever anyway um so I had trouble keeping them all in stock because I had trouble getting enough iron. Uh-huh. And, yes. you know, buying Pokeballs, especially in the first half of the game, is, is very expensive. So for me, I rarely ran out of any resources because I would... Uh, one of the things that I really, really liked about this from the regular... That was different from the regular formula was the fact that you could throw a Pokemon at something and make them collect it for you. Mm-hmm. and that it also gave them experience to do it. And so once you've, like, figured out the mechanics, and actually I didn't even find out until later on that you could throw out multiple Pokemon at the same time. I thought the cooldown throw a Pokemon was for all of your Pokemon that you were using, but it's per Pokemon, turns out. And so once you really know what's going on, you're, like, mid-game, and you've got all six Pokemon that you want, you're just running 
and you see something out of the corner of your eye and you just chuck a Pokemon at it and then you switch to another Pokemon and then chuck a Pokemon at something else and then switch to another Pokemon and chuck him at something else. And you just never have to stop moving, ever. And you're just getting all of the resources in the game as you do it. And it was a really good feeling that was like way better than almost any other open world game where you're like, feel like you were required to stop at every tree and every mushroom and open the container and pull out the mushroom that is the container. And for some reason, the mushroom's still there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> looking at you, Skyrim. Uh, but then, you know, then Breath of the Wild, you know, you're like sneaking around in forests and picking up individual mushrooms and stuff. This was just so streamlined because you were... I always had one Pokemon that I was trying to train up that I liked, that I wanted him to get to the same level as all the other Pokemon, so I was running through just chucking him at every single thing he could do so he'd get that 15 experience or that 100 experience, depending on what it was. Yeah, and that's that's how I typically kept Pokemon trained up, was, uh, you know, it's like, okay, I need to get you caught up, so I'm just going to have you do collection duty. But, yeah, um, I, I like the... It really is, you know, it for people who haven't played the game yet, and it's been out for a while, so... Um, for people who haven't played the game yet, uh, the game is not open world like Breath of the Wild, where everything is all in one, uh, in one world space. It's, um, it's more like Monster Hunter, where you mm -hmm. have these big areas that you can run around in, and then you go from one area to the next. Yeah, overall, I, I did I did enjoy the exploration. Uh, there were a few annoyances I had, like there's no compass in the game. Yeah, that was frustrating. Yeah, sometimes. which seems like such an easy thing to put in. Or mini map, right? No mini map either. No mini map. Yeah, it's yeah. just the weirdest thing. I did I did really not like whenever I was new to an area and I was trying to go a specific direction and would get a little turned around and then I had to go all the way through opening up the map. And then it was not the same button. That was another irritating thing. You press minus or whatever to open up the map. And then if you press minus again, instead of backing out, it just like zoomed out on the map and brought you to a different sub map and stuff. And then you're like, ah, and you have to like tap B several times to get back out of it. So opening the map always was a pain because yeah, there were, there were multiple things about the controls that I really disliked and a few things that I really did like and stuff that I figured out as I went along. And that's kind of one of the things about the game, uh, honestly, that's it's kind of weird. It's that it's not very handholdy. Maybe if you do a whole bunch of the side quests, you find out more about this stuff. But both of us didn't do all the side quests, right? Mm -hmm. So there were a lot of in the middle side quests that I just skipped past, um, kind of blew through. And then thought that maybe I'd come back to him later, and I still probably will at some point. But I'm assuming maybe some of them had some of the information about more of how the game worked. But a lot of the game I figured out through trial and error, and the game did not tell me how to do it. And, you know, there's kind of a little, there's some good and bad to that. It, it felt cool as I learned the game and figured it out for myself. But also sometimes there was a few things that I was like, what? what how am i only just now figuring this out i am literally 25 hours into this game and i have only just realized that this is one of the mechanics what why didn't someone mention this at the beginning of the game <laughs> um so other things that I, I would like to see more of and again i i liked being able to just run around the map and it there is something very relaxing about just sort of walking around and doing stuff at least when you're not being attacked by wild pokemon um, and that is one of the things is that if you're trying to not constantly be, um, pelted 
uh, by Pokemon attacks, you do have to move kind of slowly and cautiously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and also uh, probably one of my bigger pet peeves about the game, weirdly, is uh, how sensitive and inconsistent fall damage was. There were times where I would just barely slip off of like a small ledge and get knocked out and lose my satchel. And then there were times where I would like fall off an entire cliff and land at the bottom and be completely fine. And it felt really inconsistent. And I actually didn't really see a good reason for the game to contain fall damage, actually. Like, I get that it's like, oh, well, it's a little more realistic. Like, your guy's not going to jump off of a mountain and be fine when it gets to the bottom, you know. But it was just an irritation. It wasn't actually something that added anything to the game. I mean, in, in theory, like, some of the later ride Pokemon mitigate that, so it could yeah. have just been put in there to sort of make them seem more valuable. Yeah. But that was another thing, is, like, I was up one of the first times I really took fall damage is I got one of the ride, riding Pokemon, the, the, the deer, mm-hmm. and I, like, kind of leapt him off of something because you're moving so fast and he can jump so far. And I was like, this is so cool. And I jumped off of a ledge and I landed at the bottom and I died. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, this is a goat Pokemon or whatever. It's a deer, actually. But, you know, he's, like, jumping around in the mountains and I leapt off of a mountain and landed below and it killed me like that really kind of yeah but the, the other thing about exploration is um i just kind of wish there were more like cave areas and they they appear towards the end of the game but like separate areas or like dungeons or whatever mm-hmm. with like puzzles you see some of those at the end of the game but it yeah it takes a while to get to them that's why i think that this is a really good uh like proof of concept essentially for what we can see in future games i can really tell that this game lacks polish Mm-hmm. And that there was so many cool ideas that they had, and they just decided that they couldn't really fully execute. They were going to put it in the game anyway and let you get to kind of mess around with it and get the feel for it. And then uh, maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, but just, you know, speaking of exploration, you know, I, I don't hate all of it. It is like when you get to a new area, that is exciting. And the story mm-hmm. gives you the ability to go to a new area, or you find. One of the things I, I wanted to do was like kind of go to every corner of the map as soon as possible, even if it was sometimes kind of dangerous. It's like, oh, I wonder what Pokemon are over there or whatever. And sometimes like the Pokemon, certain Pokemon species are like in very specific places. You know, sometimes yeah. it's like, oh, That's this cool. entire half of the map has this type of bird Pokemon or whatever. But other times like it's like, oh, on top of this one particular mountain or hill or whatever, you find Tangela or something. Yeah. Yeah, there was some pretty cool stuff about it. And, and you know, like I say, I, I call it unfinished and proof of concept, but I did really have a lot of fun in exploring and stuff like that. Um, a lot of, whenever I was talking to Emily, my wife, about the game, and she was, like, asking me questions because she was like, oh, you're going to be on a podcast with Glenn. Maybe I should ask you some questions so you can, like, have some formed opinions. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And she would ask me things, and my answers would always be like, no, no, it was, like, really good, really, really fun. Like, they could have done things better, and it made me wish that they had done things better, but it was all really fun and really good. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of progression, I, I have to admit, I do like the um, the inclusion of, like, ride Pokemon, which kind of, um, I guess is kind of a, like the HMs in older games. Um, and I, I really like that style because it's kind of Metroidvania-y. Where it's like, okay, you're gated off from doing this, um, not 
because there's someone standing there saying, oh, you can't go this way, but because there's like a physical barrier and then you figure out, oh, this is how I get around that. And that, that feels really good. And especially in this game where it's like, they're very clear natural barriers that are not like, it. you know, it's not like um, you would see in Zelda or Metroid where it's like, oh, well, there's this thing that you have to use a particular item on. Like there's a stake in the ground that you can't get, you can't walk around for whatever reason and you have to hammer it or whatever. Here it's like, no, you can't get to the top of the mountain because you can't climb a sheer cliff face. Yeah, I, I really appreciated the riding, rideable Pokemon aspect and it did make the world feel like it opened up and there was more that you could do, you know, as opposed to other Pokemon games where it was like, where Pokemon abilities did feel like you were saying kind of like Zelda or Metroid where it's like, oh, I can't get through this area because there's a single tree in my way. Now I can cut it. But that just essentially is opening a door. You know, oh, okay, now I've opened a door and I can move through it. Um, and then, you know, when you get Surf, Surf does that does the same kind of thing in other Pokemon games where, okay, well, now you can kind of circumvent areas you used to not be able to. You might want to go back and look at some areas that you were before so you can look and see if there's a new island or something. But they were Pokemon games were so linear that they sort of forced you back to the old areas when you got Surf so that you would need to use Surf to find areas that you hadn't been before because it was part of the story. Whereas this really felt like, okay, you've got a flying Pokemon now and you can actually fly. And so now getting around is just easier and it's not yeah, that you've just... Yeah, that is the other thing is it does just make things easier. It's not like, oh, you need this to solve this particular uh, conundrum, you know, to get around this particular obstacle, which you do. Yeah, so it does feel really good to, you know, finally be able to go out to all those islands and stuff, but it also, um, it meshes with the rest of exploration where it's like, oh, well, you know, if you can climb mountains, then you don't have to walk around them and stuff. So it, it's, it feels much more integrated with the game. And then once you get, uh, what was it called, Braviary or whatever, mm -hmm. the, the eagle, that, uh, that just makes getting from one end of the map to the other pretty trivial. And, you know, trivial sounds like a harsh word. I, I actually really appreciate that because by that point in the game, you're kind of sick and tired of, like, having to take the long way around everything. Yeah, and trivial probably actually is a good word for it is because of the fact that up to that point, you've had to go through each individual thing very specifically, and you have done that, so you don't feel like doing it anymore. And then you get the bird, and it's very easy to travel around. Whereas, you know, it might be tempting to say, well, why didn't I get this bird at the beginning of the game? Well, you would have avoided most of the game if you had the bird early on. So it, it come, the bird shows up at the exact right time. And, you, mm -hmm. you know, you're kind of like, oh, man, this is really cool. I can actually get around so easily and stuff. It would have been nice to have this before. But you would have missed so much of the actual game that had been made if you had him earlier. So he was showed up the exact right time it, it yeah. feel, feels good at where he shows up and then you get to really start using him and and there's just some cool little the fact that he, he like legitimately jumps you up like real high when you activate him made him also like not just a flying gliding mechanic but also like a jump mechanic that had been mm -hmm. added to the game so sometimes you just like i just need to be you know one step higher and you just turn the bird on and jump up and then turn him off and land on something like pretty quickly it felt good it was, it was a good mechanic I, I really like the rideable pokemon the bear is probably the one i got the least amount of use out of even i though i liked his design yeah um uh, ursaluna i believe yeah, yeah ursaluna is 
actually a lot more useful than you'd think because you can get like mud balls very easily which if you yeah. want to make the sticky globs or whatever which are a very useful item mm -hmm. uh, it actually pays to you know you can get a lot of those or get a lot of iron very quickly if you're willing to to use ursaluna it's just you don't yeah. think to do that because the game doesn't really teach you oh by the way if you're short on these resources you can use ursaluna to do do that yeah and you usually use the companion characters to get other places quickly and so you're rarely like oh i want to be the bear so that i can be even slower and have to like be very careful and meticulous about things and while you were talking about the mud balls it just reminded me of just i was playing the game and emily was watching me and i spent legitimately like 10 15 minutes trying to track down this one treasure with ursaluna and was having real trouble finding the exact location it wanted me to be because it's, it's pretty finicky sometimes where it's like oh you have to be the exact right spot and there's no other visual cue usually uh, other, you know obviously there's the hot cold game but mm -hmm. i got over there and i used it and dug up 10 mud balls and i was just like ah! <laughs> like just really frustrated that i spent 20 minutes essentially trying to find mud not not because the mud in game is actually that useful useless like you said it can be used to make useful items but i was just like oh yeah real glad that i spent all this time trying to find this treasure where i dug up the ground and i found dirt because that's what mud is it's dirt why couldn't i dig this up somewhere else dirt other and water dirt. <laughs> dirt and water yes yes it's true but also wet dirt you can find wet dirt other places <laughs> So yeah, that, it was a very, it was a funny moment. Uh, it was fairly enjoyable. Uh, yeah. I liked writing the Pokemon. I, I thought it was kind of interesting how early you get the first writable Pokemon, though, because you do not get far into the game before they give you Weird Deer, Weird Deer, Weird Deer. I don't know. Yeah, so. I can't remember the name of the deer because he had like a very specific name that that everyone called him that was different from. Didn't they? I can't remember. Anyway, anyway but, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you think of the quest system, speaking of, like, goals and objectives? I thought it was pretty good. Um, the, the game did a good job of uh, making the quests very optional, but also very available. So yeah. they're all around you, and you, it let you know when there was a new one in town, and you'd run over and talk to them. And if, you know, for me, a lot of times it was like, I talked to the person, if they're like, hey, I need you to go do this thing, I'd be like, eh. If they were like, hey, I want you to show me a Pokemon, I'd be like, I have this Pokemon in my pocket. There we go. Mission complete. You know, like, uh, so that was <laughs> a lot of the quests. If I couldn't complete them in the moment that they gave me the quest, I probably didn't do them very soon. Yeah. Uh, the, the only ones fun. that by the end of it, like I said, I, I started off trying to do most of them, but then there were just so many. And, you know, there are a lot that you have to say, well, I, I'll have to do that later because it's mm -hmm. for, like, Pokemon that I don't have access to or I need to, like get to a certain research level with my Pokemon or whatever. And eventually they just pile up and it's like, you know what? I don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah. And also I, think, I realized that most of the time the rewards are not very good. It's like, Hey, would you like some grit dust? Yeah, it's true. Um, there's a, there's an unfortunate uh, aspect with the quest system, which is that it actually incentivizes not doing them right away. And therefore then they just pile up. And then, you know, like really the, the reason I did as few of the quests as I ended up doing was because as I was trying to complete them as they came up and it became apparent that I couldn't do that, I thought to myself, well, then why do I bother doing any of the quests until the end of the game? If I get to the end of the game, 
then I can go do like an anthology reunion tour through the game, just clearing all these quests out. But in all honesty, how many of us are actually going to take the time to do that? Because the game's over at that point. Mm-hmm. And then the the reward for those quests, as useless as they can be in the moment that you complete the quest, they're real useless if you've already beaten the game. <laughs> so I basically only prioritized the ones that had like immediate utility to me. Like, uh, oh, this will expand the shop. Uh, you know, what you can get in the shop. It's like, okay, that's actually useful. But uh, most of them, I, I just like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it. Yeah, yeah, that that did, did become very pretty quickly how they worked for me. I did enjoy a lot of the ideas behind the quests. A lot of them had lore stuff tied into them in different ways and stuff, mm-hmm. enjoyable things that made you think about the Pokemon more. Um, and then, like, some of them were like, there's one where you're supposed to go track down one of the Drifloons uh, that maybe has some kids have disappeared around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's like a reference to the fact that Drifloons in the Pokedex in future <clears throat> games, actually past games, but uh, have said that they like carry children away at night and stuff like that. And so like there's little things sprinkled in through there that like it's like, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, like callbacks to other games and callbacks to... Uh, to Pokedex entries, and then you just personally learn a little more about some of the Pokemon sometimes when you do it, which, even though that seems kind of silly, at the same time, at the core of every Pokemon game is filling out your Pokedex, and it becomes really, like, a side chore you don't want to do that much in a lot of other Pokemon games, whereas in this one, it really was, like, a pretty big focus of the game, and I think they did a good job of making it the focus through the quests and and stuff like that so yeah i do appreciate that to get research level 10 you didn't have to do all of the items on the uh the checklist mm-hmm. like you still got rewarded if you did all of the items on the checklist and i think if you complete a pokemon's um entry completely that like increases the likelihood of finding shiny variants of that or something so there is a reward if you really really like that one pokemon mm-hmm. but um yeah it, it was really nice that they they made it so that you didn't have to do all of them but um yeah ultimately that's uh i i i didn't think the side quests were were super super engaging yeah but, um so let's talk about those controls you know we've hinted at <laughs> before but my gosh the menu controls in this game are just abysmal oh absolutely it seemed like i couldn't get to the menu i wanted to be on easily ever like it didn't matter which menu it was I was trying to get to. It always opened to to the menu I didn't want to be on, and I always had trouble remembering. Like, why can't all of the the menu stuff be on the same button? Like, it'd be one thing if, you know, you press plus, for instance, mm-hmm. and it opens up a pause menu that gives you access to the Pokedex and to saving, and to your current Pokemon and your inventory. And that's how all Pokemon games up to this point have essentially handled it. But this one wanted to put it on, like, three different buttons to access different parts of it. And I'm not talking, like, oh, if you press this button, it'll jump to the menu you want to be in. It's like some of them are hard locked out from each other. The Pokedex is completely separate from most of the other functions. And frankly, sometimes I just press the wrong button and be in the wrong menu, and yeah, then be like, "Gosh, so there, there darn are like it. three, three menus in this game. There's your your regular menu, there's your map, and then there's your Pokédex. Those are all separate, 
and they all require separate button presses to get. And so like to open the regular menu, I think is up on the D-pad. Yeah. Up on the D-pad. <laughs> yeah. The, frankly, the D-pad controls for this game were one of the worst things about it. I do not know why they decided the D-pad needed to be so integral to a game that is about... It's the, the reason it's a problem and why it was so frustrating is because every single other thing about the game is like free movement, like just run around and things are very easy and you're just throwing Pokeballs and Pokemon over your shoulders. You go through and you just never stop going unless you need to open a menu, in which case you have to stop running and pull your thumb off of the control stick and reach down and figure out which of the random buttons you need to mush to get to the menu. And since there's no mini-map, you're going to have to do that for the map multiple times. And, and just, no compass. Yeah, no compass. Like, half the time I check the map just to see what direction I was facing. Exactly. And it just kills momentum. Like, real, real hard momentum killer. And it wasn't until I realized that uh, I had some controllers that had uh, user-defined buttons on the bumpers. like on the I'm sorry, on the back of the controller, like mm -hmm. paddles, that... I solved some of these issues. And it just really showed how much better the game could have been if they had considered those things because I mapped switching my Pokemon, and this was this is one of my biggest pet peeves again about the D-pad usage. Switching between which Pokemon you were riding, the only way to do it was to reach down to the D-pad. Yeah. Well, that, I understand that eventually you run out of buttons, but it's like, okay, so... To switch between the, the ride Pokemon, I have to use the D-pad. Okay, it's a little bit cumbersome, but fine, whatever. That's just how it is. You're running out of buttons. But why is the menu in the Pokédex up and down on the D-pad? Why isn't calling the Pokemon that I want to ride like up on the D-pad? Why is yeah. it start? Like, how many times have I flown up in the air with Braviary and then had to go, no, 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 I, I, I don't want to do that, and like then skydive down and face plant on rocks yeah and absolutely damage because i i wanted to just open my menu and like you know save my game or check and you know like it's also not very logical what is where because your pokemon and your items are in one menu and saving your game is also accessed from that menu but the map is a completely different one and all the quests then you'd think that the quests in the map would like go with game progress so and then right. there's the Pokédex, which you think you should be also able to access from the, the map and all of that because that's your information screen. You know, that's right. the in-game information. Uh, yeah. Just... And whenever I was moving with a Pokémon, I was on, like, let's say the, the, the deer one, and I was moving real fast, and then I get to the edge of a mountain, and I would want to quickly switch to the bird and fly up, mm -hmm. having to stop moving and reach down to the D-pad and, and fiddle with it, and then accidentally cycle over to the, the bear, and then you know, like just cycling through Pokemon to get the one I want to be. I get it. There's only yeah, so the, many the, buttons on the The worst one for me was actually, uh, was it called? Uh, I don't think Sneasling Sneasel. or whatever. Yeah, the, the, the Sneasel one. <laughs> yeah. Is, that's the one I always try to avoid because that thing just creeps me out. Yeah, and it, it was always between the two that I wanted to actually be. Yeah, but that was one of the things that made the game feel so much better for me was whenever I mapped switching Pokemon to the paddle on the back of my left con controller, mm -hmm. I would sprint up as the deer, and I would be like, man, I want to be the bird. And so I just tapped that with my finger while I was still moving forward with the control stick, and then I'd just be a bird and fly up, and the movement wouldn't stop. 
And I was like, they could have done something, I feel like, with holding, like, the L L2 button or whatever you want to, whatever, the ZL button, and then pressing the R button to cycle through Pokemon or something. You know, like, some sub-menus when you combine two buttons that would, would have kept you from having to remove your thumb from the stick and also kept from as many controls being on the D-pad, which was just frustrating to have menus and stuff on the D-pad. When, like you say, they're, they could have just put... Why couldn't all four... This also would have been more helpful. All four directions on the D-pad could have been individual your individual Pokemon that you can ride. That would have been so much better. Yeah. So up is the bird, because that makes sense. And down is the bear, because that makes sense. And left and right are the other two. And so you're just running along, and you just press the right button, and you just turn into that... You're just riding that Pokemon, and then you just keep going. It, it, would, it would have been good. And then plus button could have been open up the menu, the whole menu, and it would have been like, and plus could have been all of the like game specific stuff, like saving and options and stuff, and minus could have been Pokedex and map and quests, and mm -hmm. that would have made a lot of sense, and you put your Pokemon and your items in one of those, I don't care which one, but. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, um, I, to refresh my memory, I, I booted up the game a couple days ago, and I still, like, after over 40 hours of, playing i still was struggling with which button opened which menu <laughs> and then like some of the menus themselves can be pretty pretty uh, finicky like uh, you mentioned you know the map there are different like zoom levels and then if you go to the quest screen that requires a specific very specific button press you can't just press yeah. left or right to get there and then like every time i go to the quest screen it's not like sorted by which ones i've completed and which ones i haven't it's yeah. almost like pressing the y button because that's how you sort them as well it's how yeah. you open it it's how you sort them and i think it's registering both button Maybe presses fair. when you open yeah. it <laughs> it might be and yeah and then the one of my biggest pet peeves with it and it's funny because we're we're sitting here just bashing on the game's controls and the reason i think is because it was a great game and the controls were really finicky. And it would have been yeah. a really great game if these things had not been the case. But I would hit minus to open up the map, realize that the thing I wanted wasn't in the map. So I'd hit minus again because it's very logical to assume pressing the button that got me in there again would get me out. And mm -hmm. it would, should just be seamless. Just It opens up and you press again and it goes away. But you press minus again and it just zooms the map out. And then you like instinctively think, I must have pressed the wrong button. You press minus again and it zooms the map out to an even further layer and you're like oh my goodness yeah <laughs> and you know you, you mentioned we are being very negative on the uh, controls let me make something clear the rest of the game controls just fine like yeah. it controls really really well yeah um it's just like all the stuff related to the menu is is mm -hmm. bad yeah um, and, and, and also game, like sorting your your pokemon and all of that i i have issues with that menu as well because yeah. well i guess it's just menus in general yeah because like and i really game... wish i could just say don't put any Pokemon in this box unless I explicitly say to. Because I, I right. have, like, one that's for all the Pokemon I actually like. And then the ones for... I try to, like, try to keep it kind of organized so that... Or, like, a sort Pokemon function in the box. Mm -hmm. That would have yeah. been nice. Like, okay. I can sort all my items, but I can't sort my Pokemon. Mm -hmm. Instead, I have to have, like, this weird filter thing. Yeah. And even then, it just highlights them. It doesn't just, like, compress any of it. It highlights them in the different box. Ugh. Right. And I think I think the reason it's so frustrating why why we've harped on the controls as much as we have is that 
everything else in the game felt very streamlined and it was about freedom of movement in comparison to old Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. And it was exactly. about very easily being able to, oh, you don't want to be in a fight with this Pokemon? Well, you don't have to sit and watch 20 seconds of animation and then hit the runaway button and then it fails and then you get hit and then yeah, you hit well, the you run button. Well, you don't even have to hit the run button. It's like, while well, the other Pokemon's attacking, you just like turn around and it's like, nah, I'm out. Right. So everything Which was else really in the weird game, in battle is that it, your character can weird. run around. Yeah. And it... Very much so. Uh, everything else in the game was about this idea of what if we just got rid of menus? What if we got rid of all of the things that made Pokemon like bogged down in slow moving menus? And then they like backloaded in all of the slow moving menus into just your save function and stuff in a way that really made the game feel sluggish anytime you had to deal with a menu at all. And it was just, you could tell that it was, they didn't know how to make the menus and stuff feel as snappy and as unobtrusive as the the other functions of the game that they, you know, the mechanics that they had streamlined for this new way of playing Pokemon. They didn't know how to do that for menus, so they just thought, eh, whatever, and just stuck regular menus in, but they didn't even work on them very hard to make them, like, feel streamlined and fast and smooth and stuff. They just felt like any other Pokemon games kind of sluggish menu systems that kind of were aggravating in other ones, but it's a turn-based game, so it's whatever. But this one is like, you're running and you're going and you don't have to stop for anything and then you accidentally open up your map and then you can't figure out how to get out of it and (laughs) you realize you're going the wrong direction because there's no compass. So you you mentioned battling, so let's let's talk about battling because battles actually work a little different in this game from what I'm used to. Because normally Pokemon battles are kind of divided into rounds, and you have the faster Pokemon goes first. And here it does a, a system where it's a little bit more free floating, and you can actually get like two turns in a row because it's it's like doing this weird kind of queuing thing. Um, which I've played other RPGs like that. I actually really like that as a system. I thought that, you know, it actually got me to look at that little thing on the side and uh, order and, like, think about, okay, what attacks do I want to use so that I can maximize? Because, you know, sometimes I, I realized, um, and I'm sorry, I'm not letting you talk. But, uh, sometimes I, I can, uh, you know, I'd look and it's like, okay, you know, it makes sense to do the weaker attack because that gives me two attacks in a row and one weak attack and one strong attack is better than just one medium attack. Yeah, absolutely. It was a really cool thing. It, it brought real strategy to, to Pokemon combat. So not only could you more easily avoid combat in this game if you wanted to, but when you were in the fights, there was a lot of strategy to it. And that was one of the things that like, I wish they had gotten a little more detail on some of the fight mechanics and where to look for information and stuff um, early on because some things I didn't realize for a long time. So, like, when you switch between a strong and a weak attack, or fast attack, rather, Mm -hmm. it would actually tell you in the little menu right above. And It wasn't very big text, but it would actually say how much damage the fast attack did versus the regular and the strong one. And I didn't notice that at first because they never called attention to it. Mm -hmm. And... So it took me a while to be like, oh, okay, yeah, like doing a fast one and a strong one is like totally worth it uh, versus doing like one regular attack or or one strong one or whatever in certain situations. And so there just turned out to be a lot more strategy and the fighting became a lot more interesting after I started to learn more about that system. Because obviously in past Pokemon games, it's just all about the type advantage. And in this one, actually type advantage did not mean as much, especially early game 
as it meant in previous Pokemon games. Like I would think I'd go in, I'd be I have five levels on the guy I was fighting, and I would have the type advantage and I go bam and I'd hit him and it wouldn't kill him. And then he would hit me and do nearly as much damage without a type advantage. I was like, whoa. And then mm-hmm. learned more about grit dust and stuff, so that made a difference too. But uh <laughs> but Yeah, the the grit dust was something I ignored for the longest time and because mm-hmm. it's like ah, I don't want to worry about EVs or IVs or Yeah. Uh, Whatever, and it, it's it's much simpler than that. It basically, it's just a way of like increasing each stat individually and having it like increase more as it levels. But I think it also retroactively applies it. So it's yeah. it's like there's no reason not to. If, yeah, absolutely. So long as you're planning on using that Pokemon for any length of time, you should use the the grit. Right, and so that was another thing that was like once I like learned a little more about the grit stuff was like, oh, okay, this kind of explains part of the reason why my Pokemon do not feel as powerful, even though I have more levels than the guy I'm fighting. And But that was another one of the cool things about catching so many Pokemon was you would catch one and you would see that he already had, you know, some of those stats cranked up. And you were like, oh, okay, so this is just like an inherently better Pokemon than that one. Which, yes, technically is that information there in other Pokemon games with the EVs and stuff like that, but it's like very hidden information and it takes time and effort to figure out whereas this was just like oh this one has a six in that that's good <laughs> yeah you know some of, one of the issues i have seen though with the um the uh new turn order system in combat is that it does kind of make some moves redundant like some moves originally is like this always goes first mm-hmm. and it's like well you can't do that when you don't have the the rounds it divided up into rounds, and some can go twice. So now it's just like, oh, this increases your speed when you attack. Yeah. And there's already other attacks that do that, so you get this like weird redundancy thing. Right. There is some things where I was like, I don't think Quick Attack is worth having anymore. And like, I like Quick Attack, and I would usually, in other Pokemon games, keep it for a while, because there were some times when you just needed, where you just wanted to just one little plank to knock them out, and they were going to do something big to you on their next turn. So you're like, if I go yeah. first and knock him out, then that'll be worth it. Okay, he's on the ropes. He's here. faster than me. And he just charged a hyper beam. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I hit him and I knocked him out and I, I avoided the big attack. But you could not do that in this one. Like, and there were a few No, you rest things. after hyper beam. It's, it's solar beam that you have to charge up first, yeah, yeah. right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, that, that is one of the things that uh, about the game that, Sometimes the battle mechanics were a little weird, and I didn't quite like the way they played out, and I wasn't quite always sure what was happening. Um, you know, very occasionally, and maybe there was rolls going on in the back end, you know, but I would fight the same Pokemon, he's the same level, he's uh, owned by the same trainer, and I had the same Pokemon that I was using before, and my Pokemon's even a higher level than he was last time I fought him, and somehow he just randomly got to go before me or randomly didn't take as much damage from the hit and i never could figure out what was causing that to happen so i'm assuming there's some dice rolls happening in the background Mm. that just were not very consistent um but then uh, other than that the other one thing that did bother me about the fighting was you would see that you would have two turns in a row and then they would do you would they would do something to you that made you skip a turn like Mm -hmm. you'd be drowsy and it would skip both of your turns and I thought that was frustrating because yeah, it's like I would rather it try to roll the dice twice in a row. Like, oh, you're paralyzed. Okay. Well, I, have I think two turns it does roll it, uh, do separate rolls. So I, I don't think it did because it didn't say that I was paralyzed and couldn't move twice. Maybe it does the separate rolls and it just doesn't say it. But I, I like took note. I had two turns in a row and I was paralyzed. And 
Oh, I thought my... you had to issue a command before it told you you were paralyzed. And so you got to issue the command twice, and then most of the time it did screw you over, but... Not as far as I remember. So okay. so it would show that it was their, it was their turn, they used Thunder Wave, and I'm paralyzed. It's my turn, and I've got two turns in a row according to the thing. Mm-hmm. And so then I say, oh, okay, I'm going to attack. And it would say, you're paralyzed and can't move. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. We'll roll the dice again and see if I'm paralyzed on my... Uh, wait, he's attacking now. Like... It didn't. It didn't give okay. me another chance to go again, even though I had two turns in a row, and it just threw me off because I was like, I, I was doing this math in my head when I was deciding if I was gonna switch Pokemon or if I was gonna use an item or whatever on this turn, and then yeah. it was like we skipped both of your turns and didn't tell you. It was well, yeah, and so an- another thing I, I I noticed is that you mentioned dr- you prefer sleep over drowsiness. And that was something I noticed is that they replaced it with drowsiness where it kind of like drowsiness is now functionally the same as paralysis. Yeah, it's the same move. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's the same con- status condition just with a different animation. And I kind of don't, I personally don't like that. I like things having mechanical differences. Yeah. So yeah, even if it's just going to be. There is like a between the, the like, you know, uh, what was it? Quick attack now just increasing your speed like many other attacks and stuff that does feel like it feels like the attacks are a lot more homogenous now yeah a lot of attacks are the same thing as other attacks now and it did feel like it mattered less which move i use just as long as i use the move that had the highest numbers on it mm-hmm. sometimes even surprisingly whenever type of again type advantage didn't seem to matter as much and so which had its pros and cons in the game but like i'd look and one attack would be okay this one's i have type advantage with and it does 100 and this one I don't have type advantage, it does 120, and they seem to do very similar damage, and I was like, oh, I thought that was supposed to be like a two times multiplier on type advantage, so shouldn't that be 200 versus 120? Mm. So why are they doing the same damage, essentially? So I do think they kind of, and it might have been that they were, they were, you know, trying to, they got the bare bones system set up, and they were trying to rush, and combat is one of the things that because... You could avoid combat so easily in most cases, and boss fights weren't usually Pokemon battles. That they kind of went ahead and just left things pretty, pretty bare bones. Just said, you know, uh, just rename Thunder Wave to Hypnosis and call it Drowsy instead of par- Paralyzed, and people will feel like there's more in here than there is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, so what what were your thoughts on the uh, strong attacks in the uh what was it agile style yeah agile style i thought it was a pretty cool mechanic once i got the hang of it uh yeah there was there was a way that you could math out how likely you were to actually take the pokemon down without getting hit and so when i was at late game and i was grinding it was really helpful you know i put whatever pokemon could kill that Pokemon in two hits at the front, and then I get into the fight, and then, you know, I try to get catch him unawares by getting behind him and throwing and hitting him in the back with the Pokeball, which, again, is a strategy that I should have been using the entire game and didn't figure out to really use until the end. And then I get my two attacks in a row, but sometimes it wouldn't work out that way, so I'd use an Agile and then a Strong, and then I'd knock the Pokemon out and get lots of experience and wouldn't have to get hit. And mm-hmm. so there was, like, a lot of things where I was like, okay, I can really use a lot of strategy here to fight the Pokemon the way I want to and not take any damage and not have to go back and rest again. And it was, it was cool. I liked mm-hmm. it. 
Yeah, I, I when I first heard about it, it's like oh, that sounds kind of stupid. But when you actually get into the game because of the way turn orders work, like I don't think agile and strong styles would have worked at all. Like I don't think anyone would use them if it weren't for the modified um, turn system. Yeah. So I, I think it actually works really well with that. Um, yeah. So an interesting thing about the the fights in this is that there aren't many trainer battles. Um, Certainly. Yeah, that's one thing. And when we get into story, we can talk about a little bit more about what I think the solutions to that could be. But yeah, I really every time I got a trainer battle, I was really pumped and I enjoyed it a lot. And that's kind of what I live for in a lot of Pokemon games is the trainer battles. And so the fact that they made just regular interactions with regular Pokemon so much more fun was cool. But I, I did miss getting to have good, fun, like strategic trainer battles and stuff there was really only what probably 15 trainer battles in the whole game yeah i think that actually i think you're very close i think it's like 13 14 or 15 you may actually be right on the money on that one it was really real there was one time that i found one of the the lucky sisters or whatever out in mm -hmm. the wild somewhere and fought her when it wasn't like a story thing i just stumbled upon her and talked to her and she was like oh, i'm gonna fight you now i was like whoa what this is the first time this has happened in the game. And it was, I was in the ice region. It was the last region of the game. Mm -hmm. This happened. And I was like, why isn't this in more of the game? Like, and I have some ideas. When we get to story, I, we can talk about it. But uh, I have some ideas of how they could have fixed that. But I, I do wish there was more more gym gym battles and, and trainer battles. Yeah. And uh, what, what were your thoughts on the, um, where you had to throw the the salves or bombs oh, or the, whatever the dark souls fights oh yeah 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 those <laughs> i think it was i think it was a pretty cool idea to add a a new type of combat into pokemon games and have it be a little more tight control based and stuff more action oriented yeah and uh, it, it really leans into the um in, into the you know the pokemon are dangerous and you have to like dodge them like i do appreciate that you know, now Pokemon can attack you because that's something I think we've all wondered about is like, why does the Pokemon only fight my Pokemon? Right. Yeah, certainly it, it, it feel it felt good to like kind of break a little more into that lore of, OK, why? Why is it that when I've beaten this guy's Pokemon, he just gives up? Oh, because I could use my Pokemon to shoot a freaking laser at him that will <laughs> vaporize his face. So now he's like, I give. Uh, because his Pokemon aren't going to dive in the way and block the shot for him. Uh, it makes but, a little more sense. Yeah, you know, when you throw a Pokeball, the trainer like blocks the Pokeball in the games. So, <laughs> right. so it's, it's yeah. mutual. Yeah, yeah. so it, that, that aspect was fun. And the idea that, like again, they wanted a more streamlined, open, fluid gameplay to this game. So for the major combat of the game to actually be more about movement and tight controls... And, and stuff felt good. And it also feels really what I would call Pokemon Legends Arceus is like baby's first adult JRPG. <laughs> and and, and I, I know that sounds funny, but obviously regular Pokemon is kind of baby's first JRPG. Mm -hmm. But Legends Arceus definitely had a more like, hey, we know you've been a fan of Pokemon for a long time and you're an adult and you want something with a little more like stuff to do and a little more real story that feels like it has a little more real impact in some ways and stuff than previous Pokemon games. 
So now that you're an, an adult or at least a teenager and you still love Pokemon, here's something that's a little more uh, interesting to play in the Pokemon world. Uh, and so, you know, we're kind of getting there where it's like, okay, maybe we'll get like more adult Pokemon games someday. <laughs> yeah. I, I really also liked the uh, the battles with the, um, I forget what they're called, but like the Guardian Pokemon or whatever, the Frenzied Pokemon battles. Um, and I also like the fact that there are points where you have to take a break and fight them with the your regular Pokemon mm-hmm. to like stun them. And I, I thought that was a good integration of the two styles. That's, that's always the problem when you have like two styles like this is because I think we had the same issue with um, Paper Mario... Uh, the origami king where there's some boss fights where you're fighting him with the hammer on the overworld and then there's the the rotation kind of battle system and then it had like the boss battle system where you're on the outside and the boss is in the center instead of the other way around it's like you have these three battle systems and really mesh (laughs) yeah they didn't really mesh um honestly i think in paper mario the best fights were the ones where you're just fighting on the overworld with your hammer Mm-hmm. Kind of, and it's like, okay, if that's the direction they want to take the series, they should just go like get rid of the turn based combat entirely. But I digress, we're not here to talk about Origami King. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really like those. It, it was a little weird thinking, it's like, uh, oh, well, this Pokemon likes the smell of this stuff, so just pelt it in the face with it. You know, that'd be like, face. you know, someone saying, okay, Glenn's in a bad mood, so you know what we're going to do to cheer him up. Pelt him with lemons. Glenn really <laughs> likes the smell of lemons. Right. So just conk him in the head with a, a lemon. Yeah, and I think that was like them trying to be like, okay, so what's what's the core of Pokemon? What is the thing that connects what we're asking you to do versus what we normally ask you to do in a Pokemon game? And it's chucking small balls of things at other things. And so they just wanted to add that in as as part of the mechanic for it. Because it's not, obviously, you know, they're not going to be like, all right, and then you pull out your your AR-15 and shoot the Pokemon in the face while you're dodging its lasers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they actually mentioned that weapons don't work on Pokemon for some reason. Yeah. Like, they're tougher than too tough for that. Yeah. Which uh, I found is kind of interesting. It's like, oh, okay, that explains why you can't just, you know, walk around with a Glock. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, overall, you know, I think... It, you both... know, and it would look really cool because, you know, like, the slide would be painted red and the... the Grip would be would be white like a Pokeball. Oh, black stripes in the middle. Yeah. That's so good. Oh yeah. gosh, I need that now. But yeah, overall I think the, the combat in the game was was one of the higher points. They they allowed you to have some pretty cool fights with more strategy, and they also yeah. allowed you to very easily get out of fights you didn't want to be in, which is a huge problem I've always had with JRPGs in general, especially Pokemon. So the fact that oh you gosh, just... and there's there's so much more we haven't even talked about. We haven't talked about alpha Pokemon or the fact that sometimes yeah. a trainer will throw out like three Pokemon at a time. Yeah, that was and... another thing that I was like, I don't know how I feel about them always getting to throw out three Pokemon at a time. I guess it kind of balances out the fact that you know everyone's always praising you in this game about how you're like so good at Pokemon battling, and it's like, mm-hmm. guys, I, I hate to tell you, the secret is carry more than three Pokemon at a time, okay? Because all the way to the end of the game, you're fighting people. You get to, like, some of the strongest trainers in the game, and they have four Pokemon. You're like, come yeah. on, guys. Just catch a couple more and use them. Even if they're 
even if they're low level, you can take the time while I shoot I mean, them in the face to heal another yeah, my, one. <laughs> my Graveler isn't worth much, okay? The Graveler and the Monchokes, they they get knocked out really easily, guys. Like, you're... <laughs> I'm not tough. My Pokemon yeah. are not strong. But then, of course, they're always just saying, what's up with you and this weird idea of only using one Pokemon at a time? I'm going to throw out seven Pokemon, and you're going to fight all of them at the same time. And you're like, ah! <laughs> but yeah, I do find it interesting is that when you have to fight like three Pokemon, the Pokemon suddenly become ADD. Yeah, they're like, oh, he's just not paying attention right yeah, now. It's he's like, just oh, sort of off in his own little world, and it's like, that's good. I guess it's they they did like develop bystander syndrome or something. Is yeah. It's the the conservation of ninjutsu. If you ever been on TV tropes, uh-huh. uh, the there's there's one called the conservation of ninjutsu, and it's like when in when one ninja is fighting a hundred ninjas. Uh, he can keep up with all 100 of them, but when 50 ninjas is fighting 100 ninjas and that one ninja is part of the group of 50, he still can just barely keep up with the 100 ninjas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like there's a finite amount of power that can be used. So if you add more people, it doesn't actually make them stronger. It just splits the power among them. <laughs> but All right, so let's move on to presentation. So... What is up with the the textures on everyone's clothing in this? Let's talk about the graphics. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, I'm wearing the Team Galaxy kimono thing, whatever. I'm sure there's a there's an actual term for it, but yeah. Um, I'm I'm wearing the Team Galaxy uniform, and everyone else is wearing a Team Galaxy uniform, but their Team Galaxy uniforms are pixelated. Yeah. Like the logo, you can just see it. It's like really chunky looking. And mine is super smooth, which raises the question. It's like, why didn't you just reuse the texture that my character is wearing on yeah. their clothing? Like you could just make that all the same texture and then and have like plaster on each person. And it would only occupy like one place in memory. You're actually wasting memory. Yeah. And that probably has to do with the fact that your character can change their clothes. So if you're wearing something different, but they still, you still could have integrated. You still could have used the same texture though. Like, even if it's like, okay, I mean, I guess the only argument I could make is that, that, I don't know. I guess you could argue that, well, if your character has a separate texture, then you always know that your character's texture is going to occupy this space in memory right. and everyone else's textures are going to occupy this other space in memory. But even then, it's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah this, this game really shows the age of the Switch, but there has also been other games with just as big of worlds that look better. And so you're kind of like, okay, I think what we're really dealing with right now is handheld syndrome, is yeah. that... The Pokemon team has been making handheld games for all of time. They've rarely had to make console games. And so they've always focused a little more on game content than they have on graphics. And everyone was fine with it because you were playing it on a Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And you weren't going to get the good graphics out of it. And, you know, you could spend extra time and try to ring out just a few more frames per second out of a 3DS. But it just wasn't going to be worth it for the mo- for most people. And now we're finally where the Pokemon team, which is supposed to be one of the best teams in Nintendo because it's one of their biggest franchises, is making games consistently now on the home console. And they're clearly focusing not on graphics because Breath of the Wild, huge open world, uh, just as many textures, if not probably more uh, Mm -hmm. that they were dealing with and looks better. 
yeah. and was a launch title. Whereas with uh, with Arceus, there were multiple times, and and even not even getting into like just how the overworld itself seemed like the textures were a lot less detailed than a lot of the Zelda ones. There were multiple times where there was just weird artifacting around my character when they were in certain areas, and I would be like trying to figure out like, well, wait, 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 is this my monitor doing something weird or like my like my cable doing something weird and then I pull it out in handheld mode and the artifacting's still there and I'm just like this is really strange to just have like a white outline around my character that is made of like a single pixel so you see all the jagged lines on the white outline hmm. in like a a $60 triple A Nintendo title the polish just was not as much there on that and again it just kind of speaks to that idea that this one was a proof of concept almost more than anything else where they're like hey guys we want to make pokemon games different now and we saw we like we really enjoyed you know you get that feel they're like we really enjoyed breath of the wild and we wanted to make breath of the wild pokemon but we kind of got into it and it's like a lot of work and so do you guys like this here's like our proof of concept is this enjoyable and we're all like yeah that was pretty cool but like heck there was a lot of things that you left like half done (laughs) I mean, the draw distance is pretty good. I'll say that. Yeah. Is, yeah, you you know, can really that may be part of the reason away. why the textures aren't that great is because the draw distance is so high. Um, I feel like Breath of the Wild had pretty good draw distance, though, and the textures still look pretty good. Yeah. Although sometimes trees did kind of pop in whenever you when you came up in Breath of the Wild. I don't remember trees popping in with with. Well, yeah, and one of the things I remember is like when you find those little spirit flames or whatever, the 107 of them, you can see those from pretty far away if you're paying attention, which I really appreciate. Yeah, being able to fly around with the bird near the end of the game and actually Mm -hmm. just see them and be like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and they do put them typically high up, so if you have the bird, like, you can just... I remember when I was playing last time, I was doing a lot of flying around, and it's just like, oh, wow, I never realized how easy these things were to find. Yeah. But, um, so there are, it, it's not, I'm not saying that it's, it's awful. It looks awful. It's like, it's sufficient for mm-hmm. what they're trying to do. But, yeah. um, the other thing is like the animation quality seems to be really, um, kind of like you have the, the full cutscenes where like, it's not like full motion video or anything, but the, the full cutscenes where they're like doing animations and. Um, yeah, characters like walking you... around stuff, but then like yeah. the end game is just sort of like that very, um, very mechanical pivot head, so many degrees. You know. <laughs> yeah, the, the shoulders and the head kind of turn together a lot of times, and stiff walking and stuff like that. Yeah, and stuff I... like that. Yeah, and that's the other thing is like NPCs don't walk in this game. Have you ever noticed that? Like in the town, everyone just stands in one place. Even the person that's like holding the lantern, like they're yeah. patrolling, and it's just like, nah, I don't need the patrol. I can see everything is right here. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know I really hope that that like this one did well enough, and that they got the message enough on the things that we didn't like about it as much that they make more like this and that they focus in on these things and they, they polish things up. And I, I think if they do that, I think I'll be really, really happy. Um, because again, I truly did enjoy the game. There were just a lot of things that would break me out of the immersion or were just frustrating in, in general. And mostly because I was having to compare it to other really, really good games with a similar, you know, like a similar idea behind it. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, buying better. a car with hail damage. Yeah, yeah. It's like the hail damage doesn't really affect the function too much. It just looks right. bad. Yeah, you're like, I enjoy uh, this great car. It gets good gas mileage. I It's fun to drive. It doesn't look as good as it could. <laughs>
But uh, the music, the music was pretty good. Yeah, there was some pretty good music in it uh, here and there. I did think that... Uh, so, Breath of the Wild has had an unfortunate effect on other open-world games mm-hmm. in that because the composers for Zelda games are so good and they they did the less is more thing with Breath of, Breath of the Wild, it's created a like idea of, like, oh, these open-world games should maybe have less music and that will make them feel more ambient. And there was some moments in in Arceus that felt kind of empty, and I was like, "Boy, why is there like no music going on?" Yeah, but and then there like, were weird times. So there are times where there's like no music going on, and then there's times where the music will just like kick you or like punch you in the gut. Like it's yeah. just like really, um, really upbeat. And yeah. I was not expecting that. I was told the music was ambient, like Breath of the Wild. And then there are yeah. times where it's like, no, it's it's like really kind of happy, jazzy sort of stuff. Yeah, and not just so. for cutscenes either, just like area themes. Yeah. And it's like, wow, I'm really liking this song. And ah, shoot, it's the it's the little drum thing that they play when uh, a Pokemon is mad at you. And that <laughs> yeah. that was my main issue with the music, actually. Uh, yeah. More so than like it being missing from certain parts of the game, it's just that it's constantly being interrupted by Pokemon trying to attack you, and it's just dun dun dun. It's true. Yeah. I don't know why I was doing a strong bad impression there for a second, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it, it's like. I I was enjoying the music. Like like if you want to. Let me know that a Pokemon wants to like disembowel me or something. Um, then just put like a drum beat over the music, you know, sort of like what they did yeah. with Yoshi in the Mario games. You ride on Yoshi yeah. and they add a drum section, yeah. Yeah, the uh, I'm trying to remember, remember the phrase there's a phrase for it where the music is is kind of fluid and it very it just adds extra layers to it. Uh, the term change. I've heard I think is variable mix. Yeah, that might be what it is, but I feel like there was another phrase. I mean, there before. there may be like some weird Italian word for it. But. That's true. Yeah, uh, but yeah, they could have done some things with that, and I think that is what Breath of the Wild did in a lot of those cases. Like whenever, when you would be going along and the music would be softly playing, and then like a, a guardian would spot you from a distance, like the piano would start playing over mm-hmm. the other music, and then it would transition into the music mm-hmm. when you're being fighting a guardian it worked really well and this like there was really good music some places and there wasn't very much music other places and then yeah, the battle music would interrupt the good music and stuff and so yeah, and you just you couldn't enjoy the good music like there's so many instances where you just you never get to like you get to hear like maybe 20 30 seconds of a song unless you're just want to sit there and listen to the music and not play the game yeah, so with a lot, like with a lot of things in this game, the music ends up being probably like a 7 out of 10 because there were a lot of great things that I loved about it and a couple of handful of things that kept getting in the way of my enjoyment of it. <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate that once the town starts to, uh, starts to expand later in the game that they actually do build on the town music. That's something yeah. I always like hearing is like the song kind of grow, gradually grow with the environment. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really so, cool. But, yeah, the music is good. It's just um, mm-hmm. you, you're going to be hearing that little kind of subdued, um, oh, look out, the Pokemon's going to try to right. attack you thing the, far more than any other song in the game. But um, 
So uh, let's let's talk about the story now. I think we've been putting this off long enough. So the story starts with you like getting sucked into another dimension or something. And or you were just already in the other dimension. Yeah. And then Arceus is just like, yeah, go do the stuff in in the place at the time. And so you get sent into the past or something or an alternate dimension that's not as far along as ours or it's not really clear. You done got isekai'd. Yeah, you get isekai'd. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I've never liked isekai plots. <laughs> yeah, it would have been better if we got to see Truck Coon at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least I, I could have seen a child get run over by a truck. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, you, so you get teleported to this, this world and... Um, you immediately kind of establish, like, everyone's like, wow, you're really good at throwing Pokeballs. And, like, it's, it's one of those things where everyone's, like, super nice to you at first. And I, I'm, maybe I'm just jaded, but I always, whenever that happens, I always just kind of recoil and go, okay, what do you want? Yeah, there was a, again, a lot of things about the story were truly interesting and neat. Uh, and I, I feel like they, if they had, gone just a little further with some of them and like expanded upon them more it would have been really interesting so like you say the game sort of starts with you dropping into this new world weirdly everyone just kind of immediately accepts you even though they can't kind of keep saying they don't trust you as a newcomer they then keep handing you the keys to the city and yeah and they and they keep saying like heaping praise on you and it's one of those (laughs) things where i kind of prefer if you you kind of have to like, it's okay if they're like, okay, we're going to give you a chance or whatever, but you can tell that they're, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, you know, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Dodgy about it, the whole thing. Yeah. But here, it, it really does feel like they're they're trying to talk you up a lot at the beginning of the game, and it gets kind of, kind of obnoxious. Yeah. Now, as you get deeper into the game, and it does become clear that you are literally, like, the best at everything and the only person that can handle any situation, it makes more sense. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the cur- the story gets really, like, more interesting after you get to that point. You know, like, okay, so you got the frenzied Pokemon, you're getting more lore about, like, apparently how the backstory of Pokemon yeah. goes and stuff, and, and the different the different clans and they worship they think they worship the same god and just think that oh yeah like kind of the the weird sort of religious schism that's really was really interesting and kind of something that you would not see in a nintendo game like 20 30 years ago yeah absolutely not especially not one that makes it to america Mm -hmm. uh and so there's just a lot of real real interesting things i yeah there are a lot of interesting themes and one of the things even at the beginning of the game this does come up at the beginning of the game is that they're like okay but if you can't like if you can't make it in the survey corps you're you're out we're kicking you out of the village because we don't have uh, we, we can't afford to feed any freeloaders. So there is, like, kind of this danger, and everyone else talks about Pokemon like it's they're kind of these weird, dangerous things, which doesn't really make sense because there are other people who are like, well, in my home region, we, uh, we battle with Pokemon all the time. And it's like, so, okay, is this a world... First of all, Pokemon are, like, the only animals in the Pokemon universe. Secondly, so how do you not know anything about Pokemon? Um, secondly... The apparently in other parts of the world they already are acclimated to Pokemon, so yeah, there's what, there's some things is, that don't or at least like part of some sort of weird religious sect that has just like shunned Pokemon or something or like 
Yeah, it, it's clear that there's like a little bit of like some some spots where it's kind of conflicting with itself uh, in the story of like, like once you first get in and it's kind of like, oh, OK, I get to be here for the first time when we're really discovering Pokemon. That's pretty cool. And then that's not really true. Yeah, but I do like I do like kind of the 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 whole everything feels a little bit dangerous, a little bit mysterious. Mm -hmm. You're you're kind of on the frontier. I I like that aspect. I actually yeah. kind of like stories that have that sort of um kind of the 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 world is is dangerous and mysterious. I guess it's sometimes called points of light. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I do think that they they did a good job of of making you feel like okay, Pokémon are not just furry bunnies in the woods they're literal bears mm -hmm. you know a lot of them are really going to come after you and try to hurt you and the people are actually afraid of them and stuff and it's it's pretty cool to get that feeling um from a pokemon game because you know like in the early pokemon games of course like the very first thing you do to like move the for story forward in in pokemon yellow is you step out into the grass without a pokemon and they stop you and they're mm -hmm. like wait you can't do that because it's dangerous but then you never ever feel like Pokemon are dangerous from that moment on in any Pokemon game because they're like, all right, 10 year old, here's your shotgun mouse. Go take him out into the woods and hunt other shotgun mice. You know, like, yeah. it's whatever. Um, and so it never really feels it. Uh, but this one it did. And, you know, we've talked about the battling and stuff and about how you could take damage from Pokemon and, and stuff. And there was like the dodge mechanics and stuff. But mm -hmm. that plays into the story too of like, oh, okay, so like, yeah, I, I actually should worry about these things, and my goal is to learn about them and figure out how to make people safe around Pokemon, and that felt yeah. good. I do find it a little strange. They never said, okay, if you don't make it in the Survey Corps, we'll just have you go work as, on the farm or whatever. Yeah, like, there was. It's just like, we give you one shot. And if plenty you're, of other like, jobs. If, yeah. if you can't make it in the hardest career path that we have here mm -hmm. at the, uh, you know, in the, what is it, Jubilife Village, then we're just gonna uh, kick you to the curb and you have to go live in the wilderness or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I do like that it does deal with some more mature themes and I, like the plot does get kind of formulaic for a point because it's like, oh, well you just, you go help like uh, a guardian Pokemon or whatever and then you go yeah. help the frenzied master Pokemon or whatever. And you know, they throw, like try to throw a few little curveballs and how that all works. But then after you like, and you know, like some of the some of the villagers are like, well, I think it's a good thing my or Pokemon's frenzied because he has a, like a power from you know uh, you know he's like supercharged with higher power. There are there are like really interesting um, yeah. kind of perspectives. They don't go too deep into it, but it is interesting to see them at least take the story in that direction. Yeah, I think that the and that's kind of where where we get into like. A lot of the ideas in the story felt just a little half-baked, and I feel like if they had done more with them, they would have been really interesting and could have fixed some of the some of the things. So, first of all, like, you know, spoilers, obviously, uh, for the main storyline of it, which if you're this far into it and you've been hearing us talk, you probably realize that we're, we're going to spoil things. But, uh, you know, like, you, you do eventually get kicked out of town. Oh, yeah, and actually, like... that was probably my favorite part of the, the game because right. it, it basically just, e even though... For the most part, you you still can like craft and store your items and change your Pokemon and all that. It does kind of like, um, it it is. I, I like it when games like do a very big like sort of turn you on your head kind of situation like that. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like they should have done it a little earlier on. Not not a whole lot earlier. I think the 50, 
50% mark of the game would have been a cool time to do it, where it's like, okay, you're you're into the game, you really understand things, now we're going to pull the rug out from under you, and you're going to have to, like, rebuild and figure things out. Would have been cool. It was the last, like, 10% of the game. They're like, ha! Now you can't go to the village! And you're like, oh, okay. Like, this is kind of interesting. Like, I like it story-wise, but it doesn't feel like it, like, did much to me. And I wish they had expanded on that more. And then the other point that you made was that, like, yeah, there was, like, a couple of people who were like, well, maybe this is a good thing. Did we think about that? You know, mm -hmm. so, like, there's uh, Melly is his name. He's the Diamond Clan guy who's he's the one that really says that. He's like, he, he just hates you. He doesn't like you. And he's just like, maybe this is a good thing. And we just don't know about it, huh? And, like, when he said that, I had this hope that what was going to happen next would be something really awesome, and then it didn't ever get there. And so in my brain, I'm like, this is the way that they should have gone with the story, and it would have fixed some of the other problems, is that, and we talked about not very many trainer battles. Mm -hmm. What if there was a literal Pokemon cult that was, like, maybe even secretly being led by a whole nother almighty Sinnoh that turns out to be a third Pokemon, like Darkrai or something like that? Um, Giratina. Giratina would have been a good yeah, choice. Yeah, that would have been good. And they're, like... They want Pokemon to be frenzied, and they're, like, actively coming after you in the game and trying to stop you from unfrenzying Pokemon, and they're, like, bringing yeah, Pokemon to the Yeah, it could have been, like, mountain. a schismatic element where, like, the, the, like, the Diamond Clan or the Pearl Clan, like, come to blows because one of, one of them gets this idea in their head. Right. And they're, like, bringing Pokemon to the mountain and, like, offering them up to be frenzied, and they're, like, like purposefully turning Pokemon evil and stuff. It could have been kind of spooky, creepy, weird, fun, interesting story. And then mm -hmm. you would have been like, as you went through the game, that could have been the Team Rocket of the game, you know? Yeah, like, that actually would have been, you know, now that you mentioned that, I really wish that's what they did with the game. Like, yeah. that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, you would run into trainers along the way who were antagonistic to you saying, no, I will not let you unfrenzy these Pokemon because I believe that Almighty Sinnoh deems it to be so that they should be frenzied, you know, and, and he's like viewing them with his power. Yeah, it or could its have been power. A That's one of the interesting things about Sinnoh is Sinnoh uses like I, they refer, they describe Sinnoh as having a will and all that, but they always use the pronoun "it" with it, yeah. which I found is kind of inter interesting. Yeah, certainly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that could have been a really cool thing that they could have done, and it also would have just, and probably they didn't do it because they still want the game to feel real child-friendly, even though they are trying to hit a more adult audience, or maybe they just didn't want to expand upon things as much and they ran out of time or something, but I do yeah. feel like something like that would have upped the like maturity of the game in a good way, where it's like, oh, there's some, like, some real stakes, mm -hmm. uh, other than just nebulously oh we don't know maybe the world will end i don't know like like no one even was like uh if this happens it's gonna be really bad they were just like i don't know seems kind of strange maybe we should stop it yeah well i mean they do have the point where they were like oh let's go up to the top of the mountain and, and deal with this yeah and so um, it kind of gets to that point but not not really um so that actually speaking of the game's ending so now that we're in the spoiler territory why does this game have two endings there's, there's like you have to go up and you have to fight Palkia, uh, and then they roll the credits, and then there's like a bunch of story content yeah. where they like tell you you find out what was his name Volo, you find out that Volo is like a bad guy and he has his own evil ambitions and stuff, and 
it's it's weird because it's just like okay why wasn't this the end of the game because this feels much more like an actual final boss yeah i don't really know i mean pokemon games have always had false endings for some reason but usually the the after credit stuff is like oh hey here's your chance to go catch one more legendary pokemon and here's your chance to catch pokemon that it would have been hard to catch for you to catch before now and then there's you know like oh you can go and fight like grand champion or something and yeah so and in-game going... content is is fine it's just here yeah. it's it really does feel like um it's it's actually actually the main story because like when i, I right. remember when i fought Palkia, it's like really that's the final boss that doesn't okay that doesn't feel very conclusive yeah. and then they it's like no there's more story and you have to like talk to the characters and it's you know it's in the main story thing and you know, it's not just like go catch the rest of the Pokemon and then we'll give you a special treat or whatever. It is, actually is like, right? Oh, and I, I wanted to, to mm-hmm. uh, mention. So you you sided with uh, sided with the Diamond Clan, I assume. Then you took you took Diamond Dude with you whenever you when you split, right? Right, because uh, the the other uh, chick, I forget her name. She she just irritated me. And right. So, oh, I, so picked, I thought her outfit looked stupid. Like the other guy is like, I I look like a feudal Japanese guy, yeah. you know, sort of. So I took Irina with me, mm-hmm. and so there's a split in the story there, and like I I didn't know for sure because I never looked into it, but I caught Polkia first and then fought the Alga at the end. Okay, see now I I looked it up, and they said there's no difference between the story, depending on what you choose. So. That's why I chose him. If I had known I could get Palkia first, I definitely would have chosen Irina. Yeah, yeah. So that's I. I was curious if that's what it was going to be the case because Palkia's way cooler than than. Uh, oh than no, doubt. yeah. And so I was like, I'm going with 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 her, so that if it affects anything, I get to get Palkia, and then I got Palkia, and then beat Dialga, and I think that that actually honestly was a little detrimental to the story. Is that because the final choice of which Pokemon is actually the bad guy in the game is not made until the, the final 10% of the game or so. There's not a lot of build-up to it. You don't mm-hmm. know that one of them's good and one of them's bad, essentially. And there's not a lot of like dialogue that's like, oh, I can't believe I've been worshipping this guy this whole time, and it turns out that he's kind of evil, or maybe he's frenzied in some way or something, but they're, they're, they didn't even deal with that. They didn't mm-hmm. even like mention it. Uh I, I mean, they kind of, of acknowledge, oh, I guess we were both wrong at the end. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it, it's interesting, though, because you were we were talking about the story there, and you're like, yeah, and then I finally beat Dialga. I finally beat Polkia, and the game was over. I was like, aha, so I was right. It does change it. <laughs> I just didn't bother to look it up. Um, so, well, but that, if you did bother kind of... to look it up, the people online would have told you a, a pack of lies, apparently, because I was told it didn't matter. <laughs> I, I looked it up. I actually was like, stopped, you know, put the controller down, went to my computer because I don't have a smartphone, mm-hmm. and and looked it up. And they said, oh yeah, it doesn't make any difference. It plays out exactly the same. Ah, that's so great. It, and it, it was an interesting idea because essentially it just means that, you know, in other Pokemon games you would have bought the the Diamond Clan version or the Pearl mm-hmm. Clan version. This one it just ends like you make a decision at some point in the game and that's the deciding factor. And they put it late in the game so it wouldn't be a lot of extra work for them. Uh, it makes sense. 
Um, so mm-hmm. it is kind of cool. You know, there's a little replayability there and stuff, and you don't have to buy two copies of the game to get it like a lot of other Pokemon games. So, so that's cool. Um, I, I think the story was cool. I enjoyed it. It was interesting. Uh, there was, like I say, some changes I would have made that would have made things maybe a little more interesting, a little more mature. But ultimately, uh, I did enjoy everything about it, I think, the story, story-wise. My last thing that I'll say about the story, probably, I mean, obviously we can talk about more if, if you have more things to say. I did um, have something, but I can't remember what it was now, like I had a second ago. My favorite moment in the entire game was when I wa- I was going up. I thought I was going to fight the general or whatever his name mm-hmm. was. I can't remember. I walked into the cave in between, and there's Benny standing there. And I talked to Benny, and he's a freaking ninja. And he pulls out super powerful Pokemon. I was like, oh, my goodness, the green mustache guy has worked at the inn. This whole time has been, like, the strongest Pokemon master there is. This is amazing. Yeah. So, actually, that does raise something about the quiet. I, I remember what it was that I wanted to talk about. Uh, regarding this so this game leans very heavily on um diamond and pearl obviously yeah and so i i know many of the trainers are like or many of the people in the village are based off of characters from diamond and pearl i very early on i got the feeling that i was missing a lot of inside jokes just because i never played diamond and pearl probably some yeah like i know a lot of people talk a lot about like oh this character is clearly the ancestor of these characters and stuff and it's you know it it ties into some of the the lore and stuff of diamond and pearl and obviously they released brilliant diamond and brilliant pearl or whatever on switch just like a few months before Uh, our shining pearl i believe yeah brilliant diamond and shining pearl specifically so that you could i guess get into those ones before you played this one uh, which I actually haven't gotten around to getting either of those ones because I was like, I'm not going to spend that much money on Pokemon games right in a row right now because I knew Arceus was coming out and I was much more interested in playing a brand new Pokemon game than replaying one that I've already beaten or played a lot of in the past. So I went ahead and held on to my money and it probably would have done me well story-wise to play uh, Shining Pearl first or whatever so that I could be prepared for this one and remember more of what's going on but i don't i don't think that you missed that much uh okay what i remember but i think there are little bits and some inside jokes or something like that even if they're not really jokes but you know references all right so um before we talk about the future of pokemon something i forgot to put on the outline uh what was your team my team. Oh, oh. Um, so I had uh, my Cyndaquil that eventually became a Ghost Typhlosion. Ah, so you, so you did the Cyndaquil too. Okay. Yeah. Ghost Typhlosion, though. That's a weird thing. Um, I, I, uh, I didn't mind it a whole lot, except for the fact that it gave me some weird type disadvantages that I didn't normally have to deal with when I have a Fire Pokemon. So that was mm-hmm. kind of frustrating. But uh, so I, I really liked uh, my Ghost Typhlosion. Um, his name was Falafel. And uh, so then I had a, uh, what is the the final evolution of Shinx, the electric cat thing? Um, the, the, the lightning lion thing. Yeah, Luxray. Luxray, uh, yeah. right. So I had a powerful Luxray, which I really liked. Um, then I had a, uh, the fully evolved version of the, the, the Starly bird, you know, uh, mm-hmm. whatever. whatever Raptor, I think. Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And then my other three slots were very, uh, like, traded around a lot. Um, for a long time, I had a, a B 
Bidoof, and then, you know, eventually a evolved form of Bidoof that I can't remember the name because I always name my... This is my problem. I always name my Pokemon, so yeah. I never know what they're called when they evolve because... They... Same. Well, actually, for the longest time, I didn't realize I could name them. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, Again, yeah. it's hidden in a menu. Yeah, it's, it's hidden in a menu, and once you start getting the hang of those things, it's like, oh, renaming my Pokemon whenever I want. That's cool. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, evolving... actually, some of my Pokemon went through a couple names because I realized, no, nah, this is a better name. Yeah, and like, oh, I can evolve my Pokemon whenever I want, like after he reaches the level, instead of having to cancel it every time. That's kind of cool. And, mm -hmm. oh, I can reteach moves that they knew before. That's cool. Like, those sort yeah, of things. Yeah, we didn't but... even talk about that. There's a lot of convenience, you know, despite our griping about the menus, there are a lot of convenience features. Yeah, it's just they're stuck inside of some crappy menus that are difficult to, to maneuver around. So, um, but yeah, so uh, trying to remember... I had a uh, Thralt, and then Curlia, and then um, Gardevoir. Yeah. yeah. So I had a Gardevoir that I used at the end of the game, who was really cool. Um, and then the other, the last two slots were very fluid, because uh, eventually I did get rid of my Bidoof. I'm sorry, I was in the middle of talking about Bidoof whenever. I did eventually get rid of my Bidoof for Gardevoir. Last two slots ended up being Polkia and... Uh, the Goo Dragon. Yeah, I didn't even realize that was a Pokemon until <laughs> I played this game. Yeah, so that was like, I think, a Pokemon X and Y Pokemon that I had never seen before. And so, because I never played Y. Um, let me see what his name is really quick. Because I really enjoyed him, uh, a Gudra. So oh. Gudra ended up being one of my, like, the Alpha Gudra that you catch near the end of the story ended up being one of one of my favorites, uh, just very, very uh, hardy Pokemon that could take hits really well, and had an ability where you could just like essentially be like, no, maybe you're going to just completely miss me on your next couple of attacks. So really useful for fighting big, powerful Pokemon that hit hard, because there was this Garchomp that I found before I finished the game. It was level 85 Alpha up in the, <laughs> up in the mountains. And so I was trying to catch it. It was really impossible to catch because all of my Pokemon were in, like, the mid-60s. And so Gudra being able to go out there and just be like, ah, your next couple attacks are going to completely miss me. Also, I take hits like a champ anyway, so you might not be able to kill me, even if you do hit me, was really cool. And I got to kill that Garchomp over and over and over again and grind a lot of experience off of it and level all of my Pokemon up to the 70s pretty quick. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that was more or less my team there. And I think I think that worked out pretty good. And one more thing about the story before we go into your team, because mm -hmm. this is story specific, I completely right. forgot. I thought, again, something that they did a teeny bit of that I would have loved to have seen more of in the game was, like, when you do get kicked out of town and you, like, go on your, like, secret side quest missions to assemble things and you're, like, talking to Pokemon doing quizzes with them or, you know, like, doing, like, different kinds of things with those three Pokemon at those three special locations. I thought that was cool. Like, when the one Pokemon was like, hey, how many eyes do these Pokemon have? And I was like, frankly, I don't know. And you're right. I'm like a Pokemon encyclopedia author right now, and I have no idea how many eyes these Pokemon that I've caught before have. So, you're right. Bad on me. I should know. It's my literal job. Thank you for asking me to do my actual job in this game, game. And so then going through my Pokedex and looking at them and being like, oh, yeah, this is, and then typing in the numbers. It felt cool. And I was like, mm -hmm. ah, I could have used some more of that in the game. Like, that, that could have been cool, you know. So things like that in that last little 
10, 20% of the game of the story was really cool, and I'd like to see more of it in other Yeah, I, I would like to see more, like, dungeons and puzzles and stuff like that. I, I think the game was very... Like, the the cycle, the gameplay loop was... For, for an RPG, it, it was kind of basic. You know, it's just mm-hmm. run, fight, catch. Yeah, you know. absolutely. So what were, you, what my, were your My team, so I also got um, Typhlosion I, I, or uh, Cyndaquil originally. I, I felt kind of conflicted about which one to get, but then I, I kind of looked at the team I wanted to build in the game, and I realized, okay, this is the one that works best because Oshawott's uh, evolution looks stupid. No, I, I've never liked Oshawott's evolutions, which is sad because I like, I like Oshawott himself, but I don't Yeah, like and then... I thought the idea of a grass fighting type with um, Decidueye and all of that, Rowlet, would have been cool, but I realized there are Tangela's in the game, and is my favorite Pokemon. So um, I, I had a te- uh, Typhlosion. I named him Oscuro, which is a type of uh, cigar with a very dark wrapper. Um, <laughs> uh, I had a Tangela, which I named... Uh, originally, I named him Vinny, which was a stupid name, so I changed it to Vermicelli. <laughs> and Vermicelli was actually was my actual best friend. Uh-huh. That's good. Um, you know, it's it's sort of like, yeah, I know this you're my designated partner Pokemon and my starter, but Vermicelli's my friend now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he he always got. I always made sure to give him the grit, uh, gravel, and all that first. Uh, let's see what else. I had a a Floatzel by the end of it. That was one of the first ones I caught, and it's just like, ah, you know what? I'm not going to go with another water type. He's he's yeah. cool enough. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I had a golem, uh, it's a machoke, and a magnetron. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's some cool So what were the names? I think the... Yeah, I forget some of their names. I know the uh, the machoke was named Nelson after the full Nelson. <laughs> that's good so i yeah i typically try to go with names that are at least a little bit clever but yeah i do think that the uh like like now you mentioned the the magneton and stuff like that it's like the uh something we didn't talk about in exploration or in battling or in any of those places oh yeah the dimensional it. rifts yeah the dimensional rift, the time rifts were a cool cool thing that i enjoyed and having the like the danger of them, the inherent danger, you're like sprinting around trying to pick up the items and your inventory is getting full and then like a pack of three Pokemon that can one shot you show up and you're like, ah! You know, mm-hmm. like, it was, it was enjoyable. And sometimes was you cool. can get Pokemon that are, are hard to get, though for the most part, I just do it to get the, the red, green, and blue pieces so that I can make star. Yeah. <laughs> star yeah, bits absolutely. or whatever. Yeah, and, but you know, like being able to catch magnetons and stuff like that that made sense to be in those areas and nowhere else in the game like porygon i caught a porygon early on in the game in one of those and it's like oh yeah well this this is set in the past it would make no sense for a porygon to be here so he would have to come through this portal for it to make any sense for him to be here so that's that's a cool way of handling those things and i thought i thought that was one a, a really good thing story yeah so, uh, with with all of that said, and this is going to be shaping up to be a long episode, I can tell. Uh, what do you think the future of Pokemon is? Well, going to be and should be with uh, this. Do you think that this is the future of Pokemon, or do you think this is going to be like a separate series or a one-time thing? I think it's going to be a little bit of both. So I think that they are going to want to continue to, you know, this is Pokemon Legends Arceus. 
mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a Pokemon Legends series, and they're going okay. to do more about more Pokemon. But I think that some of the DNA of this is going to continue into other Pokemon game, and we already see that with Scarlet and Violet because we don't have a lot of information with Scarlet and Violet. But one of the things they said is is that there wouldn't be loading screens between the overworld and towns. You're okay. already getting some of this open world vibe that you're going to feel in even just mainstream Pokemon games where it's like, okay, you're going to be out and about on the route and then you just run into town, run over and, you know, buy some more Pokeballs and run back out and start catching Pokemon again and stuff. And they have clearly been pulling from the success of Pokemon Go and adding more and more of those things into the games as far as like how Pokemon catching and stuff works. But wouldn't be surprised if catching Pokemon continues to be a little more of a fast-paced, throw-the-ball-get-out-of-there sort of scenario rather than constant grindy battling where you're trying not to kill the Pokemon and getting him when he's on 1 HP. So mm-hmm. that that's what I think is that you're probably going to get more of these like deep, weird stories and stuff, and they're going to get probably progressively a little more mature in the Pokemon Legends series, and they're going to focus in on the exploration and and uh, the crafting and stuff like that and the more open world vibe. But you are still going to get some of the open world bits and the catching mechanics and stuff going into the the original series, which will continue on and be more kid-friendly focused, I imagine. So that's my guess. Yeah, um, that's pretty much what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that we're going to see some of the gameplay come over. And like you said, it feels kind of like a prototype, which, you know, may... With how quickly the uh, Scarlet and Violet's um, coming out, it does, like, at first I thought, okay, they're going to float this out there and see how well it does and then kind of build the next Pokemon game around it. And I almost feel like it's more like, um, with the release dates, it's kind of more like, okay, we're going to throw this out. I don't know. Like, I have a hard time believing they're going to have enough time to pivot. So it's either like we're trying to get people acclimated to this new direction we want to take Pokemon or it's like this will affect not Violet and Scarlet so much. Like I think that, you know, there's going to be some shared DNA between them, like you said, but I think maybe it's going to have a much more profound effect on whatever the next game in the series is. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if 10 years down the road we have some of those did-you-know gaming sort of stuff talking about how, oh, did you know Legends Arceus was originally just like them testing some mechanics and stuff for Scarlet and Violet. And then it kind of like started to evolve more and they're like, Oh, let's just make a whole game about it. Or, you know, something like that, you know, like some, some really cool games in the past have come about that way. You know, things like Majora's mask, which was, was really not supposed to be a different game. And, you know, well, uh, even the upcoming uh, sequel, the sequel to the legend of Zelda breath of the wild, as is officially known, um, (laughs) <laughs> I don't even have a name. Uh, Brother Wild 2 was going to start out as a DLC. Yeah, and then uh, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Link Between Worlds was going to be originally like a remake of Link mm-hmm. to the Past and then became its own thing. You know, these things happen, especially and in wound Japan. up being the best Zelda game. Yeah, and they, they, they do wind up usually being really cool. Uh, Super Smash Brothers was originally, uh, they put the, they wired the Nintendo characters to the frames as just like, just messing around essentially mm-hmm. as a placeholder. And then they were like, actually, this is pretty cool to have these characters actually be fighting. Maybe this should be the whole thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get 10 down, ten years down the road and we find out more and Arceus ends up being like one of those things where they were just messing around with some prototype stuff. It started to come together. Somebody even told them that they should probably cut it out and they went behind their back and released it anyway because that's 
weirdly happens in Japanese studios. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like Mega Man 2. Um, the first Mega Man did not do well enough to warrant a sequel, but the team liked Mega Man enough that they just, in their spare time, they made Mega Man 2. That's fantastic. And then they presented it to the higher-ups at Capcom, and they were like, well, the game's already done, so I guess ship it. An American studio would just be fired, and then they'd sell the game anyway and make lots of money off of it. <laughs> and leave your name out of the credits. <laughs> yeah. In a Japanese studio, it's like, well, this has been dishonorable, but I suppose we'll sell the game and see how it turns out. Okay, it's all good. You get a promotion. <laughs> anyway, thank you, everyone, for joining us on this extended discussion of Pokemon Legends Arceus. And thank you, Nathaniel, for being here to talk about this and going through the whole game and all that. So where where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me over on my YouTube, which is Nathan Blake Games. Um, I do mostly uh, Let's Plays and stuff like that. A couple of reviews uh, here or there, and then I have uh, some skits and comedy stuff. I'm not doing anything over there at the moment, uh, but there's plenty of content there that you can go and enjoy, and I would like to be getting back to that before too much longer. So, you know, if you, if you want to go watch some of my stuff there and, and subscribe so that you can find out when I do start posting stuff again, that'd be cool. Uh, I do technically have a Twitch, which is also Nathan Blake Games, but nothing goes on there right now. And uh, then I have my Twitter, which I do actually have quite a bit of uh, stuff that I post on there and stuff from time to time, which is at Nathan Blake game, not games, because there's one too many characters. Gosh darn it. Anyway, uh, well, so yeah, uh, you should you I'm... should ask Elon Musk to extend the. Uh... It's yes, it's in it's in the work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I have I have a I have a red phone in my my studio that goes straight to Elon Musk. Mm. <laughs> but so. Oh. And, of course, if you want to hear more about Nintendo, you can check out uh, Two Button Crew. We have tons of our own back content, um, much of it evergreen in nature. We also have a website where you can read um, several of our blogs by myself, Scott, Simeon, Ryan, so on. Uh, additionally, you, if you have an idea for a future episode of the podcast... You can email me at glenn at twobuttoncrew.com. That's G-L-E-N at T-W-O-B-U-T-T-O-N-C-R-E-W.com. I'm not good at spelling, so that was incredibly stressful for me. <laughs> uh, and uh, I entreat you, if you like The Legend of Zelda and you like tabletop RPGs and want to take your friends on a Zelda-themed tabletop RPG adventure... Check out my adventure module over on twobuttoncrew.com, uh, Into the Howno Woods. It's, uh, it's a large sandbox adventure where you can, uh, you know, you start at a village and there's a dungeon and you can explore the wilderness and there's a bunch of optional rules for the, uh, the game system that the, it's, you know, the fan-made game system that it's based off of. So, you know, I put a ton of time and effort in it. I'm gonna shill it every chance I get. <laughs> And it was fun. I got to play it. It was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you wanna, if you wanna get a sense of what it's like before you, uh, you know, you can talk your friends into it, there is a, a podcast where we go through kind of a what would eventually become that campaign. So you can listen to that podcast here on YouTube or on our website as well. So once again, thank you everyone for joining us and uh, at the Two Button Crew podcast. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Sayonara. <laughs>